The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. From the crossroads of Merrick Avenue and Sunrise Highway in downtown Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. I'm your host, Mike Winone, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Caputo, the man we call Cabby. Excited to be with you tonight, going to talk a little bit of NFL football, and then we're going to be moving on and lucky to have a great guest this evening, Coach Tony Bazella, women's basketball coach at Seton Hall University. Um, he and I go way back, uh, we're going to get into that a little bit, he put put a couple of lickings on me way back in the Division Two days, uh, uh, but just uh, done a fantastic job where he is right now, and, and in, his, uh, in his many stops before that, but before we get to that... And everything else, I'd like to welcome in Chris Caputo again. Cap, how you doing? Good, Mike. Thanks for saying hello here. And uh, we got Brian Graves on the other side of the glass for us tonight, checking in. As always. Uh, if you need, we could, we'll open up the phone lines in the second half of the show. We'll give you the phone number later. And uh, we'll take your calls about whatever's going on. And, you know, I think you and I discussed that uh, the NFL season kind of comes to this time where everybody gets excited. Now, this weekend you have so many games in one weekend and you're spreading it out over however many days. But I think um, the interest is kind of waning a little bit with the way that everything's gone. And um, we're going to have some games tomorrow. Um, and uh, there are some games tonight that are still going on. And I think, you know, some of the people are a little bit fed up with, with the way that things have gone. I think that probably... Uh, Governor Hockle made the right decision to move the uh, the Bills game to Monday. They thought about moving it to Tuesday as well, but looks like they're going to keep it as a Monday uh, 4.30 game. But, um, you know, it looks like Dallas is eliminated. Uh, they are they are kaput, which many people here in the New York metropolitan area, I'm sure. Well, you know what? I, I was going to say are happy, but I have so many guys and girls that I grew up with who are Cowboys fans. Crazy. I, yeah, it, it just is. They are. They truly are team. America's team. It's true. Um, but you know, they look terrible. Yeah, just just came out. It, it's going to be hard for Mike McCarthy to to survive that, and especially with all the Bill Belichick rumors out there. You know, because he's going to have his pick. But you brought up a great point, Cap, about. Uh, you know, games tomorrow now with the Buffalo game. Um, you know, here here in our area, at least in Long Island, where we are tonight, um, we haven't had any kind of major snows. We had, you know, rain and, and wind and everything else. And the the squall we had today. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Um, that actually came up from the Maryland area where my family, my mom and my sister live. Um, they were telling me all about it earlier today. But Buffalo... I don't think we can really get a sense of what that weather is like. Yeah, and you never know based on the lake effect. Yeah. You know, Buffalo itself might get nothing to two to three inches, but then Orchard Park, because of the lake effect, they could get three feet of snow, and you could be stuck on a highway somewhere, and you just wouldn't know. It's amazing. And uh, I think that happened one year when you and I were coaching. Yes. Um, We were watching some of the stuff that was going on. That one team got stranded. Absolutely. uh, Trying to get back to school. And um, that's the stuff that kind of just, it comes and it goes, and you never knew it it, it happened. Uh, but they got people that they're paying to, to shovel it out, and that's what they're doing. <laughs> they're going to play tomorrow. The fans can get paid $20 an hour to do that. 
and we'll see how that goes. Um, because that stadium, correct me if I'm wrong, is really right in a metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah. It's a little strange. You got to go there to get there. Okay. Um, you know, and you can you can go to a Sabres game across the street. Um, but yeah, it's a it's not actually Buffalo. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a little bit more north. Uh, you're right on the border. Um, but should be interesting. And you know, people froze their butts off last night in Kansas City. Watching a game that started at like negative seven degrees with a negative twenty-seven wind chill. Unbelievable. They had warming stations for these people. Um, you got to give those people credit and 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 sticking it out. Um, and also Houston put forty-five up on on Cleveland last night, so Cleveland's out. So no more Flacco. But um, you know, I just on that game, Cap. I'll, I'll tell you, so many people. I, I listen to a lot of NFL Network in the car on Sirius uh, when I'm when I'm driving. When I'm not listening to WGBB here on Long Island. So I can't tell you how many people were pushing the Cleveland Browns oh, yeah. as a possible yeah. Super Bowl Make contender. A run. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, okay. So, you know, Flacco, it's a great story and whatever else. It's amazing, though, how these teams and these stories get so blown out of proportion and then all of a sudden they come down to earth. I yep. mean, C.J. Stroud, that guy. Rookie, rookie of the year, probably I would say. It has to be at least the offensive, even with with missing some games. But um, you know, number two overall pick, if I'm yeah. right. Do you think that the Carolina Panthers are kicking themselves now that they, yeah. they didn't take him first? I guess so. <laughs> you know, he had some good college games, not against Michigan, but other yeah. bowl games he did really well in, um, and and he's proven that he can play at that level. Uh, but Mike, my big thing is. Last night, I don't know what the ratings were, and I don't even know how you calculate ratings when the game is on Peacock. Right, which I will I'll give you full disclosure right now, did not want to pay the money and uh, did not borrow anybody's password. So we got home last night and uh, weren't watching it at the place we were at. Uh, but when we got home, it's like halftime, and you know someone had given me their passcode, and I put it in. Um to pay $6 to watch an NFL playoff game, I think is absolutely absurd. I don't even know if these bars wanted to pay for it. I know. You know, but supposedly the NFL got paid $110 million for that playoff game, you know, to be played because that's what Peacock was going to give them. Okay. But here's the thing that I have a problem with. You've already asked a lot of these people earlier in the year to watch Thursday night games. you got to get Amazon Prime, you know, and you're watching some of these guys that they can't even announce games. I mean, Al Michaels has been booted. From, yeah, from playoffs, pretty pretty surprising. Yeah. Guys but you've already asked people to put money in, and now you're asking them to pay again for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, unless you lived in Kansas City or Miami, you had to pay for that game, and I think it's wrong. If you're gonna pay, ask somebody to pay, you ask them to pay once, and that's it. Because you know what they want? They want you to pay the six dollars and forget that you paid, and then check out their other things. Maybe you like them, or maybe you forget to pay. But still, I think Mike, though, we're getting to a point. Well, the NFL might say, if you want to watch all the Giants games, you're going to pay for this, and you can see all the Giants game on whatever network. But there's too many networks out there. It's not just Peacock. It's Amazon games. And then, you know, you want to watch some of these baseball games on a Thursday night, and you got to pick up another thing. And, and I think eventually they're trying to get to the point where if everything's going to be streamed. And if you want to watch your team, you're going to pay for that team. But when I get to the playoffs, I'm not paying extra to watch another game. That's it. Yeah, I'm curious to see what what the feedback is going to. I mean, obviously the initial feedback. I think most people are in the camp like you are that it's just it 
it's a joke to ask people to pay extra money for the playoffs. I mean, come on now. You got to put it on TV. And here's the thing. You got Mahomes, you got Kelsey, you got Taylor Swift who's <laughs> trying to scrape off the ice. Like people want to see that. Yeah. And I think the fact that you limited people and you made them buy an app and you make them put an app on their TV, I just think it was it, it was the wrong move. Um I think they put themselves in that situation by selling themselves out for money. Is the Major League Baseball going to get to this at some point? I don't know. But well, the, the NBA already is going to a pay-per-game deal, I know, through the NBA app. Um, regular season, you can they're kind of testing the waters on that. Um, obviously, very big difference between the NBA, where you're playing so many games, and the NFL, where you're only you know, playing a handful of games. But that model's coming, for well, sure. The good thing was that it wasn't a great like down-to-the-wire game. Yeah, thank Because I think people would have been upset. Because, really, if you wanted to, you could have just turned on – Sports Center afterwards and watched it. You could probably go on a, a different YouTube app and watch the highlights later because that's pretty much all you needed. Yeah. But if that game was close and people couldn't watch it, I think people would have been really upset. You know, I, I know a lot of people just refuse to pay that because they just refuse to give more money, you know? Well, hopefully the NFL found or is going to find that not as many people bought the game as they had hoped and that this was a, a one-time experiment that failed. Yep. Uh, we can only hope. But but I think they're going to take the money. Of course they are. And I think if you had sat down with us two years ago or you know even a year ago and said, hey, this model is, is coming, and and we would have said, no, there's no way that there's no chance that this is going to take place. Well, it's, it's amazing how the media landscape of professional yeah. and even college sports has changed, I mean, just so dramatically. Yeah, and there's there's so many networks and there's so many apps that you can create out there that I think they're just trying to find as many avenues as they can. So eventually, I think you're going to wind up with people paying for, for all of these things. Now, yesterday, um, that's one situation. You, you were able to watch some of the other games on regular TV. You still have L.A. and Detroit, which I think will be a pretty decent matchup. People have been waiting to see Detroit have that home game for the first time in a long time. Um you know, Pittsburgh and Buffalo will still be on regular TV, so you can watch that game. Yeah. And then you got Philly and Tampa, which, you know, Bill Belichick may be walking in on Tuesday morning to the Philadelphia <laughs> front offices saying, hey, I'm ready. Do you guys need me now or, you know, you want me to come back tomorrow? Yeah, that, that's an interesting story, too, because um, you know, it looks like, in, in hindsight now, that he had one year left on his deal. Yep. And that he was going to be, you know, at least having one more year. And then, obviously, Gerard Mayo, his his assistant, his former player, is taking over. Um, so that that that's going to be an interesting story, kind of moving forward, which which we will hit, uh, you know, before the end of this program for sure. Um, and even you know, Pete Carroll, that situation. I think oh, he was gosh. he was blindsided a little bit. So, um, but Cap, before we get to any of that, we are very very happy and honored to be. Joined by Coach Anthony Tony Bazella, women's basketball coach at Seton Hall University, uh, this evening to talk Seton Hall women's hoops, uh, the whole landscape of college athletics, and a couple of uh, questions from back in the late 90s, 2000s, which hopefully he'll answer uh, to let everyone know our connection back then. Coach Bazella, welcome to the program. Mike, nice to be on. I, I want to talk football too. I mean, <laughs> well, I, hey, bring I, it. Packers win the smack. Woo! Dallas. I mean, 
holy cow. And we, then, you know, we, we got a great game coming up with Detroit. I, I tell you, yeah. I can do it again, Mike. I, I think I might coach football. I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> well, you'd have to, I'll tell you, in these, in these weather conditions, you'd have to, uh, you'd have to have some serious long underwear on and, and, and Parkers. Yeah. But, uh, that, yeah. It's it's an exciting time for sure, but we're we're very happy to have you on and and kind of uh, really curious to ask you a couple of questions just about the about the landscape of coaching and, and college basketball itself. Uh, but I, I kind of gave a little bit of a, a primer before you came on that uh, you know you and I had met way back in the '90s. You were at uh, Southampton, LIU Southampton, started your your head coaching career there. Um, and when I started at Malloy, and, and we overlapped for a couple of years, and uh, I think I was oh, I want to say zero oh and six, maybe zero oh and five. I, it, my first, uh, my first taste of getting smacked around in the playoffs was by the the Lady Colonials there in in Southampton and and, and your team. But you always did such a fantastic job. So I guess my first question is, um, when did you know, or when was it really apparent to you that you wanted to be a college basketball coach? Specifically, women's college basketball as your profession. Yeah, you know, Mike, and, and I'm so thankful to be on. Thank you very much. Oh, we're, it really, it's it, our pleasure. It, it really means a lot to me, and and you know, we go back a long way, and I consider you a friend, and I appreciate that. Thank That's, you. You know, great thing about coaching and stuff, you meet a lot of you know really good people, and you know, you, you get friends, and you know, like I said, you're one of them, and well, you've obviously done a great job. I'm, on, I'm honored to, well, to be considered that. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I was a really bad player at Glen Cove. I, I, I barely played. I actually did the book a lot. And, um, and, uh, John Delecki and Mark Hayson. Mark Hayson was a varsity coach at Glen Cove and John Delecki. They took me under my, their wing and, and John Delecki's still, you know, close to me these days in the States and passed away. And, you know, I just learned a lot from them and I just sat there and I learned how to manage people. And I said, you know, I'm a really bad player, but some, I, I know what, you know, sometimes as a great player, you don't, understand why someone can't do it sure. so i clearly could understand why someone can't do it because i couldn't do it in a lot of ways right but i learned how to speak to them and talk to them and i think i became a really good judge of talent and um you know i thought i would maybe i went to seen hall and you know senior year i was walking through the um one of the buildings with, with my girlfriend who's now my wife and you know i saw an ad for a a, a boys varsity basketball job down in uh uh St. Mary's High School in South Amboy, New Jersey, and I went for it, and the AD, um, Gail Pritchard, who I'm still in contact with, goes, listen, I can't give you this job. You have zero experience. I said, no, I've helped out. He goes, listen, you, you don't have the experience to be a Boston Boys coach, but the girls' job's open. Why don't you take that? And wow. I really didn't want to. He goes, but oh, yeah. he goes, no, take it. You'll be in charge. Your friend can be the JV coach. And, and I fell in love with the coach and the girls. They listened. Um, you know, um, they wanted to. Um, they, they liked obviously my style of, of passionate but encouragement and um it, it just you know went from there and then i was a part-time head coach at southampton for eight years and mike i thought that's what i was gonna do the rest of my life my dad owned his own business he ended up passing away i took it over we we met we sold industrial hardware and then i just thought i'd be a part-time coach but liu brooklyn came along and um john suarez um did not offer me the job the first time he offered it to someone else that person ended up backing out the last minute I ended up getting it, and, you know, history was yeah. made because we had really good players, and we went to the tournament, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard. I, I just, I, I do like coaching the girls. Um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot, though, the landscape, oh, not what it used to be. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, 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 it's hard. Like, you see all these coaches retiring. We just talked about, you guys were talking about, you know, Pete Carroll before. Like, 
he kind of got blindsided. But, you know, I don't know if they want a younger generation, but it's just hard. It really is. It's just different. I, I was going to wait a little bit to ask you this, but you, you kind of gave me a perfect segue, Coach, that I, I would think, you know, between the transfer portal now and, and the three the three headed or three letter monster NIL, you know, name, image, and likeness, um, that in itself has just had to change the landscape, obviously, of college sports. But for what you do on a daily basis, it's got to have changed the game tremendously. It, it, it is, Mike. And, you know, the portal is okay. Like, I understand, you know, if the kid's not happy. And, you know, it's funny. I talk to a lot of my former players. And, um, and you know, they're like, you know, coach, you know, it's just, you know, the kids deserve a chance to leave. And I said, guys, they could always leave. They just had to sit out a year. Right. Just like if I wanted to leave, I would have to pay a buyout. Like, if I want to leave Seton Hall tomorrow, they're not going to just let me co- be the head coach at UConn. They're going to be like, all right, you owe X amount of money. Right. Like, you know, that's my sit-out. But whatever. So we want to let them leave and stuff. I don't love it, but the one-time transfer was one thing. Now what's happened is, as you just saw in the court cases, they're, they're, for this year, they're allowing unlimited transfers. Wow. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be stuck there because the NCAA, which does not want it, has no power anymore because all the courts do is make decisions. So now you're going to have a young lady or young man transfer as often as they want and as much as they want. And it's hurt coaching because we have to discipline the kids. We have to bench them. We have to not let them take every shot. We have to do those things. And in today's day and age, the kids are like, well, I'll just leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. The value of a Malloy education, a Seton Hall education, is not the same anymore. And it's really, really discouraging. It's The portal's one thing, mm-hmm. but it's – and then the NIL is just another thing. It's not – it's it's actually creeping into – we just – we lost our best player last year. She did graduate, which was great. Yeah. She had an extra year because of the COVID year. And she chose to take a, a large-sum NIL deal at an SEC school – when she could have retired at Seton Hall as arguably the greatest player ever. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's going to hurt her legacy, right or wrong. It just is, because she's not ending her career at Seton Hall. Again, we're joined by Tony Bazella, Seton Hall uh, Pirates women's coach. Uh, Tony, this is Chris. Um, you talked a little bit about that. How much do you now have to watch the portal and – does the NIL really affect women's basketball, at least on, on your level, yet? Um, kind of, do you have to educate the girls on what that really uh, entails? Chris, great to talk to you and meet you as well. And yes, unfortunately, you know, it's really started to creep into the Big East level, the Power Five level. Um, and I shouldn't say enforcer. It's great. Caitlin Clark deserves every penny. Paige Becker deserves every penny. A lot of my kids deserve the, 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 some of the money they're getting through endorsements and all that stuff. That's not where we're getting killed. We're getting killed with these SEC schools. And I say SEC because it's mainly then just saying, we're going to give you 50 grand, five grand a month to 10 months to show up and play and tweet out once a month. You know, you, 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 you know, you like blue oranges. Like, it's the stupidest <laughs> thing ever. Like, like, that's not what NIL is. Yeah, NIL what a farce. Caitlin Clark, Paige Buckers, Angel Reese. That's what they deserve to make money. You know, Kate, Caitlin Clark is filling the Iowa stands with people to come watch her play and all these, she deserves NIL. She deserves the ability to market her name and go on a commercial with, you know, State Farm. That's not what we're arguing. We're arguing with, the, you know, we're going to pay, you know, a wide receiver $400,000 and we're going to give them a brand new, like Utah gave brand new cars to like all their men's and women's basketball players 
football players and gymnastics teams. Like, that's, that's not NIL. Yeah. Because a lot of those kids aren't doing anything for NIL. Like, if you do something, you should get compensated. If you want to say, listen, we want to share in some of the, the money, that's, a, that's fine. But with that comes also, you are still getting a free education. You should now be held accountable if you don't play well. Well, see, because they want the best of both worlds. I know I probably shouldn't say this as a coach, but they want to, I want the money, I want this. If I play bad, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm playing bad. No, if we don't do our job, right. you're fired. Absolutely. And we, yeah, we, I, you know, we don't want to become professional, but at some point they want all the benefits of being a professional, but not the ramifications of being a professional. It's funny, I, I said to my team the other day, we, we, we've struggled um, the past couple games, um, we're three and three in our league. We were, you know, we're playing great and we're struggling. But it happens. But, you know, a couple of the girls are frustrated because they're either not playing or not playing well and they're taking the frustrations out the wrong way. You know, they're, they're mad at the coaches or they're, they're just mad. And I said to them, guys, do you know I recruited all of you? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I said, so when you don't play well, who's that a reflection on? It's a reflection on me because I recruited you. So if you don't think we're unhappy you're playing well, because you're mad that you're not playing well. Yeah. You're mad at me. I should be mad at you. That's a great I'm not point. trying to coach you, but they're still so young. Yeah. We all have daughters. Yes. They're 18 and 22 years old. Yeah. Like, NIL is not meant for this. And I would tell you this. A lot of these NIL deals are not being paid, are, 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 are falling through the wave, you know, yeah. in the wayside. People aren't understanding that you're going to pay taxes, taxes on it. Right, yep. like, there's a lot to do about this, and the education of it is terrible. And while we have NIL at Seton Hall in terms of you know education and stuff, you know our girls aren't getting crazy amounts of money. They'll do some 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 events. They, they'll work for it. But they'll get compensated a little bit, which is what they should. But the you know the wide receiver getting I said four hundred thousand dollars. The 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 woman's the the, the 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 woman's gymnastics team just showing up and getting a new car. That's not NIL. No. And it's not. I, I would say it's got to be incredibly frustrating, as you had just mentioned about, you know, you had your top player from last year who could have finished out the season and, and been considered an all-time great, you know, really yeah. a, a fantastic story. And you put all this time in and, and work, and then you just unfortunately are losing her and I'm sure probably others, and there's there's just no rhyme or reason to it at in the sense of what you're saying, that in – other places, fine, but but what we're talking about here in this landscape, just not fair. No, and 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 and, and, and listen, she was a great kid. She was a great player for us. She, I'll never take that away. She, she tried, course, yeah. but at the end, like Gino said to that yesterday in a press conference after the St. John's game, you know, you put all the time in, you develop the kids, you make them better, and then all of a sudden, some some school comes along and says, you know, here's X amount, and the kid, you know, it's hard for the kid to say no, but that's not what NIL. Is. That's pay for play. And if we want to get into pay-for-play, let's all go in on pay-for-play. Right. Hey, everyone, you know, I want to give your daughter two scholarships worth of money because she's really good, and I want to give Chris's daughter four times scholarships money because she's better, and I want to give my daughter no scholarship money because she's not good enough. So if we're going to do pay-for-play, let's really do pay-for-play, not sneaky pay-for-play and call it NIL. Yep, and we had uh, we had Linda Simino from Dartmouth on with us. Great and, coach. And, she, you know, she talked a little bit about it. It really hurts that type of school because if that girl is any good putting up 20 points a game, she's gone the next year. Gone. Exactly. We do, we we recruited our, our kids. She had three offers. Now, to her credit, she worked hard and got better. They'll never take that away from her. Yes, the staff helped as well. But it's a twofold thing. You can't. 
take it away from the kids. She did a great job. It's just, I'm using her as an example. Like, sure. It's just hard. At least she walked away with her degree. So yeah. I'm going to say, you know what, she put four years in. It's the kids who are played, like Linda said, come in, you find them, a diamond in the rough, or they excel in your system. Now all of a sudden they average 16 a game, and now some big school from where they're coming from goes and takes them. And you only had them one year. Like that's really where we're at now, which is really the problem nowadays. Like that is what, because these schools are all recruiting these kids. They could say what they want. But they're all recruiting these sure. kids, and it's yeah. not right. They're doing it's it wrong. on the court, and too, Tony. <laughs> they're doing it exactly. when, you, when you're shaking hands. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, a school like Seton Hall does not have a major called um, general studies. We don't. So we struggle to get a multiple-time transfer. Because mm-hmm. you have to have a certain amount of credits to transfer and get accepted into a degree. Other schools, and we've lost kids to the, these schools, they have what they call a general degree, which means they take any credit and they put it towards just a general degree. And that makes it easier. Like, we were recruiting a kid, and we lost it to um, an A-10 school because that school had general degree, and we did She wanted to come to Seton Hall. Yeah. We just couldn't take her because we just don't have that. To, we don't have a, a, you know, a blanket degree. And that's the hard part, really, as much as anything, too, which is really frustrating. But the NCAA is going to they want to do something. People think they don't. They do. I had dinner when I played Butler last weekend with someone from the NCAA. They want to do it, but the problem is everyone's suing. You know, a guy like Mac Brown, he got mad that his kid didn't play, wasn't yeah. cleared on as a two- or three-time transfer, and they went and sued. That's the problem. And I know I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. It's matter, it, it just is there's no – my next question was going to be, like, where do you see this – going what is a possible solution but if i'm hearing you correctly with all the lawsuits and everything there's really kind of nothing on the horizon that you can point to at the moment yeah i think we're going to get to a paper play at some point we are and whether you know it's right or wrong or whether it's just a standard i don't know i also think we're going to get full transparency eventually on nil deals so every nil deal that you sign you're going to have to have reported which will be interesting because then the kid who walks in the office and goes, you know, I heard Julie's getting fifty grand when, in essence, she's getting ten grand. Yeah. It's going to change that landscape as well, too. So I, I think, you know, I think we're going to get to that eventually. And what I'm scared of, I think we're going to get to a 60, 70, 80 school, one AAA league, yeah. and then we're going to get to the next one A league and so on and so forth. So I'm really scared about that, too. Well, that that certainly makes sense because I think that that's where, obviously, with big-time college football, you're getting that, that sense as well that it's heading there. Um, exactly. Yeah. But let's let, let's turn the corner here and 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 focus on Seton Hall women's basketball. You sit at 11-6 and six right now. You're 3-3 three and three yeah. in the conference. You said you're struggling a little bit. But I know you're, you're very excited. You have a new practice facility opening up. If, if, if I, we if, do. Okay. When, yeah, when do you expect it for that? Yeah, well, that, that, that's about, you know, 16 months away. And, and, and you know, we, we won't be in it this September, hopefully the following September. Um, we, we, we share that with the, with the men. Mm-hmm. But what we're really getting out of it, which is great for us, is we're getting brand new um, locker room, uh, video room, lounges, you know. That's fantastic. Kitchen area for the girls. I mean, like, state-of-the-art, amazing what they're doing to it. Um, all new offices for, for um, both staffs going to be great um i i have to tell you our school has invested close to 50 million dollars in this project wow and um it's, it's, it's amazing weight rooms in there for basketball they've done a great job with really um 
you know, supporting it. And, and then it'll open up other areas for other athletic teams to utilize gym space. Like we have a, a small practice facility downstairs that they're going to convert into a multi-purpose practice facility for our, our um, outdoor sports. So it, it, it's great. I mean, we're, we're building it. We have plans for a new dorm as well. Um, we just redid our student center, which is we spent probably twenty million dollars on that. It's, wow. it's, it's amazing. So, and your, and so Walsh Gymnasium, where you play, was recently renovated as well, correct? Yep, yep. Spent eight million dollars on that. Oh wow! It's 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 great. It's a great it's great for women's basketball. Mike, it holds sixteen hundred people, so it's really you know loud and quaint. Yeah. Um, we're sold out for Wednesday's game against UConn. Um, we sell out like, like three or four games a year, and we average you know. Over a thousand paid fans a game, so so it, we, we do well there. It's it's a great environment. It's, it's really perfect for women's college wrestling. We played no offense to Xavier. We played at Xavier the other night, and uh, you know it holds ten thousand fans, and yeah. you know they didn't have you know ten percent of that, and yeah. it was no home court advantage for them at all. So it was really good for us. So I, you mentioned UConn coming to town. You know, I watched a little bit of video on them yesterday against St. John's. They obviously look. Uh, you know, as dominant as usual. So going into this game, how are you prepping your team, and, and what are you looking for? You know, we, we've played well against UConn in the past, and we have not played well. I want to play good. Yes. Like, like, I'm not, like, you know, I'm not, obviously you want to go in, you want to win. Like, listen, UConn's lost three games in our league in the past two years. They didn't lose one game in eight years in the AAC. Right. So our league is tough. Like, you know, St. John's beat UConn last year, and we swept St. John's. So it's, is it unrealistic to win? No. So we're going to go in there with confidence, and we need to play better. I don't care if we're playing UConn Wednesday or, you know, St. John's or Butler. Um, we're just not playing well. Yeah. I mean, we won Saturday, but we're not playing well. I want to play better. Yes, it's hard. They have a great uh, team, unbelievably well coached. Um, you know, we have to shoot the ball a lot better. We're very, like, we're very inconsistent. I, um, we played Butler, I think, shot 12 for 22 from three. And yesterday we played Xavier and we shot three for like 20. Okay. But you can't, against UConn, you better shoot, you know, <laughs> you know, a high percentage because you don't get second chances. And what he's done this year, he has so much speed and he misses. They're really pushing the ball. So that makes it really difficult too if you're not, you know, shooting the ball well. So it's going to be a hard game. We understand that. Um, I'm excited for it because I, I do know we've beaten the number 23 ranked UNLV. Yeah. only has one loss this year to us, and we beat them by 30 in our yeah, game. So we play well. Yes. We're good. Yeah, we just have to play better. We're not playing well now. But, you know, it changes, uh, you know, in a quarter. You know that as well sure. as anyone. Well, I just I love what you said about this. You want your team to just play well. Just Get better, play well, let the chips fall where they may, and, and kind of go on from that. So just before we let you go, I just wanted to ask you one last question. So obviously we go way back, you know, with, when you were at Southampton doing so well there, and I really admired your program and took, you know, took some copious notes and a lot of things from that. Going back to that time, if you could pull up just one I know it's hard to say one, but one top memory from your days at Southampton on Long Island in that NICAC Division Two. Is there one thing that stands out to you that, that you would you know point back to if you were sitting across from me at the table right now and we were just chatting? Like, what what, what would you say about Southampton? Is that one thing that you really loved? You know, I, yeah, I'm just going to talk about a quick story. So, you know, when I got that job, it was one. It was the greatest day of my life. Yeah. Like I. Became a college basketball coach. I was taking over a team that had never had a winning season, and I thought it was still the greatest job in, in the world. I was getting three thousand dollars. My AD, Mary Topping, is still friendly with me. Ed Goodhine, Sidney Corwitz. 
um, still sending congratulatory notes. You know, that's great. From time on. Yeah, but it, I, I, you know, it was the best job in the world, and 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 and, I, and it stinks now because now you're just like and Seton Hall is a great job. It's in my, you know, it was my alma mater. It's my, yeah. it was my dream job. But mm-hmm. like you know, you, you talk about oh, I got the NIL. I got the, back then. Southampton was like, <laughs> that's all right. I got four scholarships. It's great. I'm going to go for it. It's the excitement, the enthusiasm. Sure. And and the players just, you know, they, they just love to play. Like oh, yeah. you know, I, you know, they do now, but it's just different. Like I, I wish I read this quote from. Um, Aunt, I, I don't really watch all the Office shows, but mm-hmm. Andy from the Office said this, and I thought it was really great. I wish there was a way to know you in the best of times before she, you actually left them. Yeah, wow. and they were the best of times for me at Southampton. Sure. I loved it, and, and and I wish you know. I remember our pregame meal was my wife and I going to the deli and picking up two <laughs> six foot subs, <laughs> and you know, and a case of water, and you know, and driving out with my daughter in the car seat. It was those were the best of times. And yes, do I enjoy this? Is going to be exciting playing UConn for a sold out crowd one day? Of course it is. And you know, we flew back on a charter the other day. Like those are things. Like I drove the van, yeah, like you did. Absolutely. Like round, I, I round trips up to uh, up to St. Rose and I down to Philly. Right. That's exactly right. Yep. Like, but you know, I, I wish I could go back and just enjoy it yeah. more. Like back then, you would just say, "All right, this is a big game. We got Malloy. This is a big game. We get... just have fun." Like, yeah. just that, the just the innocence of it. Yeah, my daughter got married 20 months ago, and the 20 months leading up to the wedding were great 20 months. She included us. We had a great time. And on the day of the wedding, it was, you know, it was exciting, but I enjoyed the 20 months. And I said to myself um, this year and from now on, I'm going to enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed my team. They're really nice kids. And, you know, while we're on the cusp, our net is 49 or 50 mm-hmm. on the cusp of an NCAA thing. We have to play better. Yeah. But to me, it's not the end of the world. I just want to play better because the girls are better. In the past, I'm like, we have to play better to get into the tournament. It's, I want to enjoy it. I wish I enjoyed. I did enjoy the South Hidden Days a lot, but I, I wish they'd go back to them yeah. for another year and, you know, maybe drive the van. You, just you, you know, Mike. Oh, yeah. The stories we hear in the van were hysterical, <laughs> right? You know, absolutely. Now, now I sit in the front of the bus. I don't hear anything. Yeah, like you know, no, it's, it's just different times. You know, we used to different... argue with movies to put in yeah. on the bus when you went with the men. You know, absolutely it's ridiculous. And, and just talking to you and and meeting Chris, it's just it's been great for me. Like I. Wow. I, I just want to thank you very much for it's, that. Listen, Coach, and, and again, you've hit 500, so I know. Hopefully, you yeah, enjoy that. Exactly. I know you were in the Bahamas at the time. Amazing yeah. accomplishment. I mean, really, just yeah. just unbelievable. But could not happen to a better guy. You know, everyone can hear it just from this conversation. But from knowing you as, as long as I did, you're a class guy. You run a fantastic program. We can't wish you the best going forward. Uh, we really thank you for you know the time you gave us tonight. And uh, from one Locust Valley guy to a Glen Cove guy, um, yeah, you know, this is a small world. Um, you know, coming from that from that part as well. Uh, just, just we're rooting for you, Coach, and and Thanks. go go get them. You know, when you play UConn and and beyond, we'll be watching. Thanks. Anyone who wants to come to our St. John's game, uh, your team, any team, just let me know. And uh, and when we play St. John's at uh, in Queens, I'll, I'll take care of that. Fantastic, right. Coach Tony Bazella. Seton Hall women's basketball coach. All the best. Thanks, coach. And and we'll be right back. We have a quick break, and we'll be coming back with a little football and hot stove baseball.
listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Talk New York on WGBB, 1240 AM, 95.9 FM on your dial. Coming back out of a great spot with Coach Tony Bazella. Cappy and I were just talking about it, sharing some old stories. We could go on and on about that. Uh, but, you know, like I said, just a class guy and, um, you know, wonderful to have him on. But we're going to change gears here a little bit, and uh, in a couple of minutes we'll have on John Hansen, who's going to be talking to us about some hot stove baseball. Uh, but, you know, Cap, we were kind of, uh, before Coach Bazella came on, we were talking about the changes going on yeah. in, in NFL football with Pete Carroll, uh, Bill Belichick, and, uh, and such. So that landscape is changing as well. And you can really hear in in Tony's voice just the, a the frustration, but just how things have have changed, and I, I, uh, I, I wonder what a Bill Belichick thinks. You know, twenty four years in one place, and yeah. and now he's going. Yeah, you know, I, I would assume he's going to be picking up and going someplace else. I don't think he's done yet. I think he wants to find another gig somewhere else, and if somebody's going to have him, he'll be their coach. And I think he also wants some responsibilities with the front office, which he had with the Patriots. Uh, once again, our phone line is going to be open. It's 516-623-1240. If you want to call in about anything sports-related, whether it's NFL, NBA, college basketball, baseball, uh, something local, we can talk about it, 516-623-1240. Uh, but, yeah, I think at the NFL level, you lost a couple of guys that had been in, in the same spot for a long time. I mean, Pete Carroll did the college thing for a while, um, but – he had been a mainstay with the Seahawks. I didn't realize how old he was. Yes, know? he for for his age, seventy four. Yeah, and he, I mean he he's a very youthful seventy four. Yeah, um, but you you can imagine, um, it it's just you know. And I don't think he stays on on this like advisor role. I think if another gig comes up, uh, he's gone, and I think he'll he'll coach somewhere else. Um, I don't know if the phone calls are going to come, but uh, he was very successful. Uh, may not have. Won and made the playoffs every year, but nine and eight, you know, always had that winning season, oh, yeah. found a way to win. But I think it finally just gets to the point where who's running this? And he eventually was told every year he would sit down with somebody and have the conversation of how can we get better. And he was always like, hey, this is how I'm going to fix it and this is how we're going to do this. And they had those conversations. But he said this year those decisions were made by non football people. And just kind of imagine, Mike, you know, sitting down with somebody who's not a basketball person, and them telling you, hey, listen, we know you're in charge of a uh, multi-million dollar organization, um, but the business people here just think we need to go in a different direction. And I'm not a basketball person, but I'm going to tell you that we need to bring in someone else. And, I, you know, we need to make changes. We need to do this. We need to do that. That's the hard part is when somebody actually says something to you and they don't really have that credibility in that area. Definitely. It becomes tough. Yeah, and uh, we we didn't have a chance to kind of put a bow on, and we'll do it very quickly on just on the Giants and Jets seasons. Um, you know, obviously disappointing to say a word. I don't want to get too deep. I mean, we we 
could go back about Aaron Rodgers and, and, and everything else. But I will say this as a, as a Giant fan, personally, which is what I am. I'm not a Jet hater. I'm a Giant fan. Um, I, I was very pleased to see them finish out the season as strongly as they did. Uh, obviously, they made some, some changes on their coaching staff. And it looks like their defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, was upset about that and is not going to be coming back. But obviously, there was there was some some issues well before that. Yeah, and and I think it got so heated that it gets to a point where basically one guy comes in and says, "Do you think I'm the problem? <laughs> you guys couldn't score a touchdown, couldn't yeah. get a first down, and throwing it back in their face." And I think at some point, it just sometimes the marriage just needs to end. And yeah, and these guys, I mean... Uh, uh, I think Dayball had a say in who he picked for his defensive coordinator. Sure. But he needed to pick somebody who could run the defense, and I think Dayball needed to kind of stay with the offense, And but it was like oil and water. Yeah, it's it, it, it'll be interesting next year to see where they go with that. The Jets, they've committed to Robert Sala, at least for another season, which I think makes sense. Uh, this was a very out of the... Uh, to say out of the blue is probably trite, but I mean, just a crazy year with injuries and, and up and down and whatever else. And I think, I think he did a better than average job of keeping them together, um, as well. But he gets a lot of heat that he is not the, uh, the dynamic guy that everybody would like in that spot. Yeah. And I think if certain people were available, that they would go in a different direction. You know, if somebody like Nick Saban said, I'm not really retiring. Um, I just wanted to get out of the, the college scene, and now I want to get back into the NFL. Um, I think the, the Jets would make a change for a specific person. Um, but I think they're committed to another year of Aaron Rodgers, and therefore um, that's why I think the coordinator will stay and I think the head coach will stay. Um, but they have to make some major changes um, in order to to get better. I mean, I don't think they were terrible this year. But there was never any flow or consistency from one game to another to get that Jets team to be a better team. So um, I think in that situation, yeah, the Jets are committed for one more season. But, um, you know, I, I just, like, I still don't get, like, is Aaron Rodgers going to be that much of a difference for this team next year? And I just don't see it. Like, I just, I think there's so many other issues with that team. Um, that they have to figure out who's running the ball, who's blocking on the line, that, you know, Rob Sala could say, hey, listen, we're going to be better next year because we have this guy under center. But the Jets still need to go out and get themselves another quarterback, somebody who, because he's not going to be there for two, three years. No. You know, and I think you need to say to him, hey, listen, we're going to tell him straight up, we are going to draft a quarterback in this draft because we need to. Because I think he was a little bit upset with, you know, the guy who's now succeeding on the Green Bay Packers, Jordan Love, who just had his first playoff appearance and did really well, um, that they, they didn't really give him a heads up right. that they were going to draft somebody. Which I, you can understand. I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers to me is, is a buffoon in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't take away that he's one of the all-time greats. Uh, but I, I think any one of us in that position or in any work position, if someone was coming in to eventually replace us, yeah. we'd like a little bit of a heads up. Sure. Yeah, and I think the antics this week got a little bit too much, though, with um, with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and, well, he just he just can't keep himself out of the public eye. I think he's just so addicted to that, and um, that's why maybe he might play a little longer than we think, only because you know the prove people wrong. Yeah, and, and New York and whatever else. He just you know, I think those guys too. They they just need some type of challenge. Uh, they challenge themselves in, in all sorts of crazy ways. I mean, there was there's. 
talk about Jordan, Michael Jordan, when he played that. Um, he would literally make up stuff in his mind that people disrespected him, like yeah. to to get that fire going. And, and they just they have a whole different mindset than than any mere mortal on this earth. And, sure. and it's it, they're they're just interesting dudes. Yeah, I think when you get to that point and you need something to drive you, you're going to find something to drive you, whatever that might be. Um, but as we said, you know, the NFL is 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 hitting its stride, and uh, people want to see these games and. Um, you know, you still right now. You got Detroit taking the lead on on LA, fourteen three, uh, in the first quarter. People are going to be excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I think they they could make a run. You still have Baltimore waiting on the other side. Um, so, you know, next week should be interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to predict, but I think there are some teams out there that have an advantage based on, you know, playing in colder weather and used to playing in colder weather. Like Miami was just. They were done three weeks ago, but yeah. they were even more done the fact that they had to go play in ridiculous weather. Very much so. Shocking today with the Cowboys. I'm very interested tomorrow night to see which Philadelphia Eagles team shows up. Maybe there's know. a third version of that team that we don't know about. Um, just it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be something else. I I just I'm fascinated how teams can go up and down uh, throughout a year, uh, you know, in any sport, and it's just it's just. It's great stuff. I think sometimes I mean, when you just fall off a cliff, though, that it's so hard to bring it all back for the playoffs. And, um, you know, that's a situation where, you know, I think Philadelphia has just gotten themselves, they don't even know what's wrong with them, that they can't even fix what's bad out there. Definitely. Well, at the moment, we're going to change gears once again and talk a little hot stove baseball. And we're joined tonight by Mr. John Hansen, who's going to come on and talk a little Mets, Yankees, and, and any other team that we can think of and and again 516-623-1240 after we're done if you want to chime in john welcome to the program hey good evening guys how are you thanks for having me all right thanks for coming on john what uh so far this off season just give us an idea of some of the moves in in a major league baseball and are you surprised and are there teams that maybe um have done more than what you expected or less than what you expected well, I think for sure, right, I mean, the obvious answer there is the Dodgers, what they've done with adding both Otani and Yamamoto. Um, you know, clearly money is no object to them out there as they continue to build um, juggernaut, uh, you know, between the 10-year $700 million for Otani and then the 12-year $325 million for Yamamoto. Yep. They have done everything they can do to um, solidify their position as the leader, uh, certainly in the National League West, and um, you know, put themselves in a very good position to to compete every October as they have as they have for the last twelve years. So I think without question, so far they are the um, absolute huge winner uh, in the off season. And of course, the Yankees, though they they themselves have also done a, a pretty good job adding to their team as they look to get back um, into the playoffs and, and a leader in the National League. I'm sorry, the American League East. Okay, so let's just attack the Mets then. Um, you know, don't There's be a lot afraid. to attack. Throw, throw your opinion <laughs> out there. Kind of let us know. Woo. You know, do you do you are you upset with what they've done? I mean, they're going to say that they 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 gave a good offer and put 325 million out there for one player who's never pitched in the majors before. Um, Stearns is here. Whether or not you know he's being kind of puppied by somebody. What do you think so far in this offseason of where they're at and what they still need to do? So here, the Mets, I think it's become fairly evident 
that this is the David Stern's show. It is, it is apparent that in 2024, the season is going to be all about evaluating this roster and where these pieces will fit in Stern's organization going forward. Um, I think Scherzer, you know, he was right when he left to go to Texas and saying that the Mets were not going to be in a position to overly compete in 2024, and that's clearly what's happening here. They did make their best effort for Yamamoto. You know, Steve Cohen took the jet, went out to Japan, had him here in his home. Um, it was just not going to happen. Yamamoto was not coming here. He wanted to be in a place that he felt like he can compete year in and year out, and the Dodgers gave that to him. I don't have an issue with the offer that the Mets made. Um, I happen to think, you know, even from the Dodger standpoint, it's too many years and too much money, just as you said, Chris, for a guy that's never thrown a pitch in the major leagues. So I don't have a problem that they did not get Yamamoto. I don't have a problem that they didn't get overly involved with Otani because he wasn't coming here. He was never coming to the East Coast. He wanted to remain out West. Yep. John, I was going to ask you, you know, I agree with you a thousand percent about what you're saying with it's the, it, you know, the era of kind of evaluating, um, the team this year and seeing who's, who's in and who's out and the type of player they're looking to bring in. Um, I, I know Chris can probably speak to this as well. Um, for, for an entire season at, at City Field, this is going to be, it's going to be tough, I think, as a, as a Met fan or, you know, the Met fans in general to, uh, to stay interested, to pay the price and, and, and go. All right, we're gonna we're gonna use this as kind of an evaluation year. Very tough to do in any sport, but especially in New York baseball, wouldn't you say? I agree. The only the only caveat I would bring to that is, and I, I agree with you. However, if a couple of the young kids do well in Double A AA or Triple A, and the Mets are hanging in in April or May, but then they decide that Acuna um, should come up and play second base, maybe move McNeil to the outfield. Or if Gilbert is having a really good, you know, first couple months again in, in Double A AA or Triple A, you, you want to give them a chance to come up here. I think one thing that Mets fans in, in general and most baseball fans, if you're seeing kids coming up here and they're competing and they're breathing some life into the organization, that's always a good thing. If, if you even remember last year with Alvarez, Beatty, and Vientos. People were clamoring for them. Sure. Now, Beatty and Vientos did not deliver. Um, you know, they're still young, so let, let's see what happens. But I think that's the one thing that could galvanize Mets fans and also feed into that um, talking point of, hey, we're going to compete with free agents in 2025. So if, if they see Gilbert, they see Acuna, even a couple of the pitchers, uh, whether that's Mike Vassell coming up or, or even a Christian Scott, um, you know, make some starts or appear out of the bullpen, I think that would at least give the fans something to, to hold on to. Because the reality is Atlanta is the class of this division. Sure, the you know, between them and the Dodgers, the still better than the Mets. you know, that's you're who you're competing with right now. And the Mets do not have the roster to compete to compete with that team. And I want the young kids, if they're up here, to play. I felt like last year they brought them up, but it was like, eh, we're going to play them, we're not going to play them. Like, there's got to be a commitment to put those guys in. And if you're going to bring those guys up, you know, just let them play every day. Don't mess around with it and see where it goes. But kind of, you look at the rotation, I mean, I would say it's probably Severino, Manaya, this guy Adrian Hauser, 
uh, Senga and Quintana. It's not a terrible rotation. You just don't know if it's going to hold up. And then, you know, the bullpen, you got Brooks Raley, Edwin Diaz, Jorge Lopez, Drew Smith, who I don't trust in a big spot anytime. But when you say bring these other guys up, I don't want them in the bullpen. I don't want Vassal in the bullpen. I don't want a young kid in the bullpen. I'm not a, hey, throw uh, Grant Hartwig out there five times a week. You know, I want a guy who's going to be reliable back there. Um, and I don't know, what did you think of the the, the number one, of, of the rotation, and number two, of the latest comment of Stearns has $10 million left this offseason to spend on relievers, basically? So I I actually think the rotation's a major issue. Okay. Um, you think they need another and guy? And the reason – I think they need another guy for, for two reasons, Chris. You know, Senga's never pitched every five, every fifth day. Correct. So right now, when I look at that rotation, I sense. think you're right. You have Senga, Severino, Quintana, you know, two, three, however you want to mess it up, Hauser, and then Manaya. But if you even look at Manaya, you know, his numbers from last year, the guy only started 10 games. No, he was in the bullpen. He came out of the, yeah, he was primarily in the bullpen. So now you're bringing in a guy here that we're talking about you know, slotting into the fourth or fifth slot that wasn't a true starter last year. Now, he had a very good September, started five games, um, pitched to a 2-6-7 ERA overall with the month when he came in with that new sweeper that he came um, out with. But I have a really really bad feeling that we're going to see a lot of Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, and David Peterson. And to be fair, Peterson's going to be hurt. (laughs) <laughs> to watch Peterson or McGill every fifth day is yeah. is a problem. Now, yeah. Lucchese, like again, him. last year, you know, after they traded Scherzer and Verlander, Lucchese had some nice starts. But I think this rotation is a major, major issue. And with that $10 million, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I agree with you. It's probably to go out and, and get a couple more relievers. But I, I actually think that you know, some of the guys that they've claimed off waivers – you know, a bullpen you do, you know, you piece together every year. So, you know, with Diaz and Raley, I think we're okay. You know, you're right, Chris. Drew Smith is always a, a question mark. But, you know, we're going to see him in some big spots in the beginning of the year, that, that seventh inning um, leading into uh, Raley and, and Diaz. But you're going to have to, again, hope a guy like Hartwood, like you said, or, or Max Kranich, who they just got from the Pirates off waivers, those are going to be the kind of guys that we're going to have to hope and we see get big outs, and maybe a, a Jose Buto uh, does the same thing for this team. But the, the pitching is a major issue, and again, even the offense. But I think, I think when you look at the team now, they are going to count on Vientos for some big at bats uh, as your DH. You know, there's no Justin Turner coming here. There's no JD Martinez coming here. If you only have ten million dollars left to spend. Uh, an interesting name, if you look at the free agent list, perhaps maybe a guy like um, – oh, excuse me, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Evan Longoria out of uh, Arizona. You know, perhaps maybe he would come here, can pick up some third base, veteran-type leader. Uh, but, again, I don't know if you're going to get him for $10 million. But he's still out there yeah. uh, on the free agent market. Um also, uh, another guy that you've heard some things about and, and different Met blogs and things like that, a guy like Tim Anderson, would you take a flyer on him? No. Again, stick him at second base on a one-year deal and then put McNeil back in the outfield. 
because the one the other move that the Mets made that I think is is questionable is you know David Stearns made it sound like Harrison Bader's going to play every day. Yeah, Harrison Bader's not an everyday player. No, he's not. No, he's I not. I don't think so. And I think you're moving Nimmo over, which to me is a red flag. Like are the Mets, even though they just signed him to a long term deal, are they looking to possibly get rid of him? Um, you know, I, I just think I'm okay with the Mets this year going out and getting guys on one-year deals. And then if in June, July, they're not doing well, just dump them all. And even if you eat the salary, pick up some prospects. Like last year, uh, the Kansas City Royals had Araldis Chapman. They had no interest in making anything positive with that. So what did they do? They signed him for $10, $13 million, and then they trade him away and get prospects. Which, hey, listen, I'm okay with them spending money in order to, you know, to bring – because you don't, you're not going to get somebody in a draft or whatever it is. But just kind of assume that this year is a hey, let the young kids play, and if we have somebody that doesn't work out, we'll get rid of them. I t- totally agree. Uh, the one, the one question mark that you're going to have is it's going to be lingering over City Field all year. Is what's going to happen with Alonzo if this team is 15 games out yeah. from the All Star break? Are they going to trade him he's, uh, again? I. I think, like you said, it was Nimmo, and as we started this, and as we started this conversation with, this is the David Stern show, and I do agree with you. Nimmo could be had, um, and I think Alonzo could be too. And I think as Mets fans, we're just going to have to get used to that idea that this is the David Stern show, and he's going to he's going to make he's calling the shots. Yeah, I don't think they're going to sign Pete before the season starts. Well. Totally agree. In Stearns, we trust. Thanks, John, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate all the info. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Let's have you back. I'd like to say thanks to Brian Graves behind the glass, as we mentioned. Cappy, Chris Caputo, my co-host, my assistant, as always, my player, my number one man. Uh, and also Tony Bazzello from Southampton College Days, Seton Hall Pirates. Wishing him all the best, especially as they take on UConn. The, the rolling train that is UConn. Everybody have a great night, great week. We'll be at you soon. WGBB Sports Talk New York, we are out. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.